This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Welcome to Entrepreneur Series Season 2. The theme of this season is Let's Get Down to the Root. This series provides basic knowledge business owners or aspiring business owners need to know to be able to run a successful business. This season will touch on topics or related issues almost every entrepreneur faces on a personal level and professional level. Expect guests that are expertise on their individual field coming to this show to share some of their wisdom in regard to the topic. If you are interested in advertising your product or services, email us at venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Without further ado, here is your host, Connie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Venta with Connie podcast. I'm your host, Connie. Welcome to a brand new episode of um, Entrepreneur Series. Welcome to another episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed the, I think we have, we're on the third one now. I hope you enjoyed the first two that we released. I hope you are enjoying it so far and the guests that I'm bringing in because um, like I promise you guys, I will always be bringing guests that that are expertise in their individual field and also be providing you guys with some information that will um, help you, you know, build your business, grow your business, or even for you to start your business. So I hope I'm fulfilling my promise so far. So guys, welcome back. Remember, we do have a website. Our website name is ventawithconnypodcast.com. Make sure you go check us out. Please do go check us out. We do have some merch product for you to purchase there. So please support us as little as you can. Also, if you're a lady, if you are a lady and you're a woman of faith, and you would like to study the scriptures, make sure you come join us because we do hold Bible study. It's called Vent to God, and it's just um specifically for women only so i'm sorry guys this is just for ladies only so if you're a lady you're interested and you're interested you want to join us um the bible study is is always hold on zoom it's by zoom and on mondays bi-weekly 6 30 p.m central time so if you if you are free on that day please shoot us email ventawithconnie@yahoo.com so we can bring you in because you want I, I hope that your new year resolution this year will be to um grow in your spiritual um life i hope that's one of it and if it's one of it please come join us on the bible study so we can study about the so we can study the bible and learn what god needs from us and what he wants us to do how we can live a christian life so that's the announcements we have today without wasting time let's go ahead and jump right into the topic of today as you can tell by the title, um, it is investing strategy for rental properties owners, okay? So if you are rental property owners or you are inspiring rental property owner, this, this episode will benefit you a lot. So our guest today, of course, is knowledgeable about this um, topic. But before I move on, I want to first welcome, if you, this is your first time joining us, listening to my podcast, welcome. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate you. And for the OGs, thank you. Welcome back for um, welcome back, and thank you for your continuous support. So I won't put that out there. All right, let's move on. So our guest today, she's a founder of Affordable Real Real Estate Investment. Um, our guest turned black professionals into rental property owners and helped them to achieve financial freedom. Okay. In the recession of 2009, she lost her job. She lost her job and her home to foreclosure. 
she was left with a 35,000 condo and only enough money to renovate the place, doing the work herself to stretch her unemployment check. She clearly had reached the bottom, an electrical engineer with no job. Coping with her new reality, she came, she came upon a strategy of owning inexpensive rental properties for cash flow that was possible even when a traditional mortgage wasn't obtainable. As her strategy started to show consistent results, she started teaching others about it on her platform, Affordable Real Estate Investment. She has personally helped over 580 investors build their rental portfolios to 2,000 to 4,000 and have inspired over 47,000 more. As an international best-selling author, her message is spreading overseas as her global client base is expanding as well. So who am I talking about? I'm talking about Lisa Phillips. Let's welcome Lisa Phillips to the show. Hello, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on today. Thank you so much for coming. Um, how are you feeling today? How, how, how is your week going so far? Good. Good. Uh, the time seems to be flying by, but um, when I have a productive day, I feel like I'm on top of the world. And today was one of those days. So I'm feeling good. That's good. Me too. I had a, a great, a great day so far and the week is just beginning. Right. So I hope it, it, it keep going well, you know, to the end of this week. I hope. It, yes. It keep, yeah. <laughs> that would be the mindset going in this week. Mm-hmm. So um, in your bio, you did um, mention that you helped or you turn black professionals into rental properties, um, property owners, mm-hmm. other than the obvious, um, is there any reason behind, um, is there any reason why you chose to focus on the black community? Yeah, you know, I now know now that um, that was sort of divinely guided by spirit, but at the time I was just trying to find out more about information on real estate investing. And whenever I went to the forums, what, became obvious is that the people who were giving the most advice or had the most experience, um, they didn't have any relationship. They didn't understand nor have any affinity towards low-income minority neighborhoods. I grew up in a low-income minority neighborhood. So whatever their words were, it didn't jive with my experiences, my knowledge, and what I knew. So when I started talking about this, some people had some very visceral, strong reactions. Like I would never set place in a, in a house that cost this or a neighborhood, those people. And it was just such a strong reaction. And I'm like, I don't get your reaction because not every neighborhood that is low income automatically means drugs and crime. That's a stereotype. And yes. so, yeah. So I just, you know, I had my own ways of looking. I heard them. But I was like, it's so easy to find a neighborhood that's not like that. I don't, you guys, and they were just missing out. But the thing is, the people who did hear me, the people who did listen, the people who did want to learn more, they were all Black professionals for the most part. And some Hispanics and some other people of all races, but the majority, 80% were Black professionals. So they heard me, but when I would talk to them, they'd call me on a session to find out if they can do this or not. And they said, you know what? I agree with you because I grew up in these neighborhoods. This is where my grandma lives. This is where I live. And people have such strong stereotypes, but the reality is I had a lovely childhood growing up. And it really just goes to show if your whole image of 
poor people, black people is shaped by media, you're going to be missing out on some beautiful gems. That's true. That's true. And I'm so happy that you, you, you step out of the numb and mm -hmm. actually going to help people because not everyone, like you say, can afford those, um, 200,000 home, 300,000 right. home, right. all of that amount. So, um, and for those that can afford, that can afford less than that, I don't think they should be neglected or shouldn't, they shouldn't be catered to. So exactly. And you know what? Some people have a problem with capitalism, but in, in this case, it actually works out for the people who do care, right? Because yes. we go into these neighborhoods, we understand them. They are overlooked by the people in the majority who just have no affinity or relationship or understanding of them or um, not even necessarily empathy or compassion. Um, so you have people who completely overlooked it. So when me and my investors go, you know, it is a great opportunity that is untapped, right? So not only do we come from these type of neighborhoods, not only do we sort of care about the outcome of these neighborhoods because we can see ourselves in them, but they, in many cases, are available and wide open because people have such a strong stereotype fear and aversion to it. Um, there are some places where that fear would be valid, but that those are some places like you don't, mm -hmm. you know, that's 20% of the crime happens in 20% of the locations. The other 80% is just fine and have houses in these price points. Um, so I always say, Hey, it's a good thing. They didn't do it. You know, mm -hmm. the person who has no affinity or understanding of this culture is not going to care the same the way I do coming from this community. So I love yes. the fact that they're so averse to it. I don't like stereotypes, but if there's people like me who are black professionals who have enough money to start investing, we can go back to our own communities and get started and it, it's available for us and we can do it differently. We can do it caring about the people in the community versus gentrifying, which is raising the prices and kicking them out so someone in the majority can move in who has higher money. That's just not our MO. We don't come from that place. We, we, we see ourselves in it. So offering long-term housing that's good, not neglected, not in a slumlord way, investing money in it um, for a long-term asset for us, but also to that family, we do care about. That's true. That is true. You know, it's always good to invest in your community. Yes. And, and even the smaller amount that you're going for, it will, end up, it will add up as time goes it on. It does. It will add up, you know. It and so for me, we're, I, like, I'm so open about it. We're first generational college. We're first generation white collar. Mm -hmm. Everyone in my family before me worked a service job, you know, yeah. for a low hourly wage, right? Yeah. And so... I remember, you know, I bought three of these properties and I was working on the fourth, I bought my own. And then I sold one of the properties for like $55,000. And I, and it was like the first time I had $55,000 in the bank. Now wow. that's not a ton of money to people in the majority, right? Um, yes. The reality is there's a wealth gap between white Americans and black Americans, which is systematic. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not by accident. If I'm getting paid less, but I pay more, I don't have access I have a 20% chance of being declined for a mortgage, even if I have the same credit score as a white American, even if I have the same amount of money, 20% more likely to not be able to get a mortgage. That's systematic. Where you know, the wealth gap is very deliberate, be it yes. you want to ignore it or not. Right. And yeah. so um, you know, so yeah, this is the first time because I started this a few years ago that I had fifty-five thousand dollars in the bank. 
for you, that is nothing. For me, that's a really big deal. That's a right? big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. there's the wealth gap. The wealth gap is strategic, but for us, little things like that do eventually add up. Yes, it does. But where I do you start? We're supposed to start there. We're supposed to start in our communities. We're supposed to start small. To me, I think we're, we've always, we neglected that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we missed out on a lot of opportunity in that last generation, trying yes. to move out versus move in. That's true. You made a valid point. But I know in our little chat, um, conversation, we keep mentioning investors, investing. So that's what this topic is all about, investing strategies for uh, rental properties owners. So I just want to kind of give our listeners, for those that don't know what this is about, just to, be, just to give a clarity, what investing do you do in general and how did you get started with it? Great. Um, I do uh, real estate investing, but I do rental properties. I don't okay. do flip. I don't do wholesaling. I don't do tax liens. I don't do mortgages or notes. Those are ways to make money. Mm-hmm. I prefer my way because you do the work once you get paid for the next 30 years. And yes. if you do it right, it doesn't have to be a big overhead or a headache. Okay. Yeah. So I do rental property investing. Um, yeah, but I am not a landlord. There are strategic ways you can outsource different parts of the business where you don't have to do the work all the day. You don't have to do evictions. You don't have to do any of that work. It is part of the business you built. So I say rental property owner because I'm not going to rent court. My property manager does, who is highly vetted property manager. Okay, so how did you, how did you, um, what are some ways that you, you can actually purchase property for someone that wants to do what you do? Good. I am in the lower price ranges. So we look for properties that are thirty to $60,000, generally in minority neighborhoods. Um, and many of the times my clients live in New York, DC, California, and they have money saved, but they have to invest long distance to take advantage of these deals, which is super easy. Do not worry or let that intimidate you. So in that thirty dollars to $60,000 price range, the ways you can purchase these properties are you can get a mortgage, mm-hmm. right? And put 20% down. Um, if not that, you can get a personal loan. <laughs> I bought two of the houses, one with my 401k, one with a personal loan um, of $30,000. Mm-hmm. Um, when they asked, what do you want the loan for? I just said home improvement. That works. Um, oh, okay. So, so um, what else other ways? And Seller financing is one, although that one takes a lot more work. So I don't do it. It's just like a last resort. Mm-hmm. You get a home equity line of credit. Um, and some of the people getting like 15, 10 to $15,000 out of their 401k as a down payment on a $50,000 house is very easy to do to start building their portfolios. So it is, there are different options available because the price is a lot lower. Oh, okay. So you mentioned personal loans. Um, Mm-hmm. getting a mortgage and all of that. So what happens when you can qualify for a traditional mortgage? I usually look to do a personal loan and or a commercial loan. And mm-hmm. it just takes some conversations. Most people shy away from commercial loans because they typically um, ran around 35% down. And so say you're buying a house for, you know, it's a lot more expensive buying it and putting 35% down with a commercial mortgage. Yeah. versus 20% down if you're going to do it with like a resident, a regular consumer residential mortgage. Yeah. And that's why people shy away. But if you call around, you will find out that there are companies, maybe about 25%, so one in four, that will have a 20% down payment. They'll put it in the name of your LLC or business. And so not just that, but they don't necessarily heavily invest in your information. 
it's really based off of the projected incomes of the rents. So talking to them and finding out how they do their business, you can still get a loan a little bit more easily. They might pull your credit, but the whole vetting you because it's your personal credit, they generally don't do that as heavily on the commercial line. Wow. But they will ask the seller for proof of payroll. They'll ask the seller for proof of like bank deposits because that's what they really care about. How much rent can this commercial property bring in? Oh, okay. So they're not going to ask you like, um, um, cause I'm thinking when you, when, when I hear commercial, um, mortgage mm-hmm. or loan, I'm thinking of for big companies, someone that already have established, um, company or something like that. Right. No, my clients have gotten it. <laughs> like the last two clients I had in the last couple of months used commercial loans instead. And so it was just very minimal, the work on their end, cause it is based on the business asset that they're acquiring. Um, and they do duplexes and single families. They might have a minimum payment of minimum loan amount of like $50,000, but, um, they, I've had clients who packaged them together. So they got two duplexes, which made four units and purchased them at under one commercial line of credit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never heard of that. Oh, I didn't know you can actually do it as just a regular person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think of it as a little complicated and there. Yeah. And, you know, I've just been doing this for nine years. And so you just every every week, there's just some new bit of knowledge you learn. Yeah, that's good. And I I talk to different people. So that's where it comes from. Yes. Networking is key and um, Mm -hmm. learning from people is key, too. So um, I know you deal with a lot of um, cheap properties, but those are great. But what cash flow should I should I, I should I be shooting for? So it really depends if you're doing just a regular single family home, right? Mm -hmm. And those aren't multifamilies or duplexes, just a single family home. It depends on what region of the country you're in, okay? So if you're in the Northeast region, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Rhode Island, if you're someplace there, you should expect at least four to $600 in cash flow Hmm. per $30,000 to $60,000 property. Wow. Okay. You can, you know, you can buy a car for $30,000. You can buy a property that makes you 500 a month. Okay. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's good <laughs> investment right there. Okay. It is. I literally cannot buy expensive cars because I know what that payment can get me a property. Yeah. It's hard. So until I have my ideal number of properties, which has always been 10, I just can't do it before that. Not one moment before. So, um, that's what you can expect in the Northeast. When you get to the Midwest, the houses cost less. So it's easier to find these properties, but, and in this price range, but the rents are not high. It's not like an urban area that has a lot of people. So it shoots the price up. The prices are very moderate. So then you can expect about 250 to $350 in cash flow in the Midwest, but getting high cash flow when the rents are not that high is, is just not, um, it's just not what's natural there. However, you do generally get really good houses and the neighborhoods can be a lot safer in that price range or a lot less, um, a lot more stable than maybe the Northeast in that price range. So there are trade-offs. So more cash in the Northeast, but maybe it's really block to block on the crime and avoiding that. And in the Midwest, it's not so block to block, but the cash flow is not as high. So it's something we really want to talk about. I have some investors who want to work with me and they're like, I'm really aggressive. So we're going Northeast and they take that on and other people who are not as aggressive, this is like a slow build for them. So they don't mind taking a little bit less, but being in a little bit more stable neighborhood. 
And then the South generally has, um, the South is hit or miss because the South has had tremendous growth over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Before it was like, if you're hitting 200, you were good because the rents were lower, but now the rents have creeped up. So depending on the spot, you can get about three to $350 in cash flow for anywhere from a 20 to $50,000 property. Wow. Okay. I know you do mention, um, you throw a, a lot of um, numbers like 200, 300 cash mm-hmm. flows, but assuming we found the right market, what is a good target cash flow for people to be, you know, to be looking out for? So I say those numbers just to put in perspective, because there's some people who make a hundred dollars in cash flow and think that's good because they'll do anything to avoid a low income neighborhood. So when I'm talking three, four or 500, like in the real estate world, yeah. I'm actually doing really good. Oh, wow. Okay. Now we didn't even get to multifamilies where it's 600 to $1,500 in cash flow. Oh my gosh. It really depends oh. again on the region of the country, mm-hmm. the state of the house, of course, but those are easily obtainable. So I just want to give you perspective. Um, that's sort of why rental properties before were not such a sexy <laughs> investment, you know, you buy, you know, something in an A-class neighborhood as they taught it. It's something in a nice neighborhood, but it makes a hundred dollars, but it's $250,000 house to invest in. And like the real payoff is when it's paid off in 30 years. Hmm. And that's just not when, you know, when I have $20,000 saved up, that's just not a good um, use of time or money to wait 30 years and to have a $1,400 mortgage payment that I have to worry about. Hmm. Right. So, um, that was the traditional advice and, you know, making a hundred dollars, but having that big note, a lot of people weren't interested in rental properties doing that. But when I came on the scene in 2013, talking about this, all of a sudden we're talking about three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollars in cash flow for houses that cost less than some of these people's cars. Um, that were relatively easy. You know, you just had to be comfortable going into low income neighborhoods or minority neighborhoods. Well, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, I do, I get five of these. I'm at two to $2,500 a month in cash flow, and they're at such a low price. I can do that relatively quickly. One, I can do one house a year. So, so, so when I say what you should shoot for, it depends on what region. So if you're in the Northeast, it should be four to six, $700. If you're in the South, you know, that's why I broke it down by region because you can't expect a ton of cash flow yeah. in different markets if it just doesn't make sense. That's true. And I also want to clear this out. So for those that are new to real estate investing at all, and probably don't understand why they keep mentioning cash flow, cash flow, that's basically the the profit that you make in a month. Am I right? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's basically what that it you is. Can live off. You yeah. can live off that money or save the money to buy your next property. Yes. yes. So we're looking at pure profit. Mm-hmm. And then when you calculate that in a year, that'll be rate of return. You see if you're making a good profit or not and see. And like she said, you invest it for another property. It's not for you to just spend because that wouldn't be a wise decision to do. But um... <laughs> exactly. well, yeah, it's like hit your target goal or target number. So if you want 2000 a month in cash flow, if you want 3000 a month in cash flow, hit that number mm-hmm. with your properties, then do what you want. Right. It, That's like, once true. You hit that um there have been some times so um so it doesn't even have to be that much right so I was at 1900 in cash flow between my three properties and that was enough when I got laid off of my job at IBM in 2015 I could focus on building this platform and educational space full-time right and it was two it was 1900 a month 
that was not, I was making six figures at the time. So it wasn't replacing my salary, but what was it? It was enough to cover my bills yes. it was for my rent. Mm-hmm. It was enough to cover um, uh, my utilities and, and food. Okay. And you know, my cards and stuff. So when I talk to people, I sort of like tell them to relax. Like you don't necessarily need a ton of money to hit a cash flow goal that you're comfortable living off of while you do something else that you actually enjoy and love to do. Yes. And let's switch that to that mindset because when you love what you do, it's not work anymore. It's not. <laughs> Yes, that's the mindset. Yeah, that's the mindset that you should have. Hopefully, we are doing what you know what we love to do because that would make it not feel like work. Right. Yeah. Um. I always want. I want to talk to you about this. I always hear about this two percent rule. So I wanted to know what is the two percent rule used in rental properties. Oh, I love it because we are really the only ones that hit that rule. (laughs) So the the 2% rule is like rule of thumb. When you're looking at a property, you want to make, okay, 2% of what you you totally invested, you should make a month in rent. So that's saying if you buy a $100,000 house, you make $2,000 in rent because 2,000 is 2% of a hundred thousand. So that's the rule of thumb. Now there is nowhere where where you're going to buy $100,000 $100,000 house to make 2000. So <laughs> it's funny. It's like no one hits the 2% rule if you're doing traditional investing, how the mostly, and you know, I target black professionals, but we have to talk about this. The people who are giving the majority of rental property education were affluent white men and women. So for them, you know what I mean? Um, buying a $100,000 house, whatever was okay. Not making much money was okay. Cause they had more money in their 401k. This was just like a little side project. So, you know, it's very different and you have to understand who your audience is because if they're talking to you as if you have generational wealth and you don't, their methods just aren't going to work. So for them, they really wasn't hitting that. They were hitting like 0.2% rule, right? And that's (laughs) their strategy. So they had to make up all these other numbers because for rentals, it just wasn't really making that much sense for how much risk they were taking on. But they were like, well, cash on cash return 8%. Sure, buddy. Um, So when we came along and I started in this price range, we easily hit two, two and a half, three percent rule consistently. Mm. Um, sometimes even more than that because we're purchasing at a lower price. And if you have a discerning eye and know how to look at the rents that are projected and look at the market, you can find them where you know you might have paid thirty thousand dollars, but you get nine hundred dollars in rent. You know, and it's just pretty significant for what you paid. So we hit that rule all the time, which is why I like the rule. But in the general, if you're not specifically focusing on low-income areas or even mobile homes, because they have high cash flow too, if you're not focusing on them, you're, you're, most people are nowhere near 2%. Nowhere near it. Not even 1%. Wow. Okay. That's good so to know. They made it up, but they barely hit it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just I an ideal. It. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's always a goal. But um, um, I know you focus so much on um, like less, um, less costs, like less home, like uh, less as inexpensive homes. Yeah. That's what you focus on a lot. But mm-hmm. um, I know these things when you talk about those, it also involve a lot of costs. So I want us to talk about some of the costs. But before we do, I know at the beginning you say you're not a landlord. So how 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 are you a, a renter property owners, but you're not a, a landlord? Yeah, that is a difference. And so when I 
do my investing, part of it is I have to highly vet the property management companies in the area. And do I like them? Um, Are there more than one? Uh, And I do that because I do not want to be in charge of this property, but I'm also aware because I've been, I have experience and I've been doing this for some time that not every property manager is a good property manager. So there's some people have been so burnt because a property manager wasn't good. And it could be for many reasons. It could be because that person just is disorganized. It could be because that person's dishonest. It can be because that person grew too fast and didn't hire enough people to keep up with demand. It can be a lot of reasons that they're not the best, right? Um, And what I had to learn is that you need to highly vet them. And not only that, make sure you have backups because if you don't like them, where else can you go? Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So I was in this uh, Facebook group called Landlord Roundtable and they're like, what do you do if the tenant won't leave and da, da, da. And I was like, why am I in here? I don't do this. I don't do this. My, my property manager handles this. What am I doing? Hmm. And she doesn't have to ask questions because this is her job. So she knows how to handle it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a really big difference because you have to be very strategic about making sure that that infrastructure is in place in the market you choose. So sometimes when I'm working with clients, we might see a pretty house, but it's sort of in an exurb or rural area. I was like, it's very pretty. It doesn't need much work, but there's no property management company. Do you want to handle this long distance? Usually the answer is no. I want to make money and that's it. And so that's how I did it. I make the passive income. I don't really have to do too much. I just make major decisions that they email me, but that, you know what I mean? But that's it. So that is how I set it up where it truly is passive income. Now you pay for that. You give them a 10% fee. That's which is usually their, you know, so, you know, $900, they get $90 a month, but is it worth it? Absolutely. Cause my time is worth more than $90. Yes. You can invest your time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on something else. So yeah. And makes your job a little, a little easier, I'm guessing. Yeah. If you think about like on a good month where she's just collecting the rents and she's calculating costs. That's like one to two hours, right? Maybe if there's like an issue and she gets a call and then has to call someone else and get it mm-hmm. fixed and follow up. Maybe that's three hours a month. Mm-hmm. But my, you know, so even if she gets $90 and three hours a month and it's $30 an hour, my time, my time personally is still worth more than that. Yes. Yes, it is. Wow. That's a good move. Because I always want to know what, how you do it. Yeah. And then on top of that, I calculate stress. Do I want to be stressed out or take my attention away from my, my family or my self care to deal with it? Because to me, I put a monetary, I put a value on stress and I don't want it. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) so, so then it's like, so then it's like, you know, add your stress hours, you know, so then it's, it's it's three stress hours plus three regular physical hours. All right. (laughs) The rate goes down even further to $15 an hour. And my time is still worth more than that. That's true. <laughs> I don't like stress either. So I, I totally understand. I'm trying to get my cortisol levels up. No, baby. No. I try to keep them as low as possible. We can do it if we think about that ahead of time. That's true. That's true. Okay. Let's talk about the cost. So how can someone go about paying for the renovation costs? Cause I know for inexpensive homes, some, most times it will require renovation. Sometimes it may oh. require. Sometimes wow. it depends okay. on the market. Um, depends on um, northeast, south, um, south or midwest. It really depends. 
Um, and it depends if you're buying it from an investor or a or homeowner. In these price ranges, if you're buying from a homeowner, you know, the money's tight. So getting repairs weren't done as timely. But generally, if I'm buying from another investor who's just getting out the market, he's done the work. Okay. So it really just so it, it really depends on what actual deal we we find and what actual market we're in. But um, in order to talk about the renovation costs, uh, I had to rely on, you know, I didn't come for money. So you had to be really creative. So That's one of the true. things I did was get like, uh, you can get credit cards from Ho Lowe's, Home Depot and Best Buy, or, you know, these big box stores and Ho Lowe's and Home Depot would do like whole house carpeting. They do flooring, they do windows. Wow. So in one of my properties, I got a windows through Lowe's and I paid for it with the card where it's like, if you pay it off within 18 months, it's zero, you know, 6% finance interest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or interest free, um, mm -hmm. uh, home Depot, it's two years. And I paid for so many things of that two year and then like interest free if paid in full and I would put it on auto pay. So I didn't accidentally miss a payment. They didn't shoot my, my interest rate up. Yeah. And so in doing that, I got through so many home renovations that I either like, you know, $500 for a Home Depot to do my doors or to install this or to buy the materials and equipment. And then I'd pay them off with the rents over a year and a half or two years. So my rent, my cash flow would be a little less while I was paying that off. But at the end of the day, I was able to get it done. And then once it was paid off, I could use those cards again for the next property. And there's a Home Depot and Lowe's and Best Buy everywhere. So the Best Buy I would use for appliances. So I'd get my standard refrigerator, washer, dryer, microwave. Um, yeah, microwave and stove. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that standard cost. That's smart. That's smart. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> That's you. really a good way to do it. Because I know regular people, we do that too. When we get something from um, Best Buy and you, mm -hmm. you use the 0% interest. Yes, but within a year, if you pay it off quickly, you don't have to worry about the interest, which is what mm -hmm. sometimes I do that. So you oh, know, yeah. that's a great idea to actually use it in while you're buying this um inexpensive um properties so mm -hmm. wow that's smart that's smart oh my gosh i learned I, i'm learning a lot from you i'm telling you Yay! and uh, <laughs> i know we are coming to the end of this topic i i didn't really want to end but we have to end based on time but um what are some words that, um words of advice that that you can you give can you provide to someone interested in owning you know rental properties yeah you just got to get uh, a couple of mindsets um ready first get your finances and find out where you can get about 10 to fifteen thousand dollars per property mm -hmm. and you know you can start with one um be okay if if it takes you two years to save that up okay take the two years save it up get one house every two years to get to five homes so get your mindset wrapped um throw away anything that says it has to look a certain way yes Just be open to adapt and get to what and who you are i work with doctors who can, you know, have $60,000 saved in a year. Okay. I work with people where literally they can save 300 a month, but I still work with them. Right. So get, so put that mindset out of your head and just set that 10 to 15 K goal as your target. And it doesn't matter if it takes you 24 months or 12 months or five months, that is your target. That's your goal. Just get start working on it. Um, the other thing is being open to travel. So my clients drive 45 minutes away, an hour, two hours, um they fly on planes right and once you get over and you know i of course teach people in my training and courses and with my one-on-one -on -one coaching how to strategically choose the right market which one's for you um so of course there's ways of doing that to alleviate all the risk 
but get comfortable with that idea because where you live might not have the best deals and you don't want to just put your money in something and sit, but it's barely making anything, but you have a big mortgage payment that you're responsible for, for 30 years in addition to where you live. So be open and willing to travel and be flexible with that and understand that we have knowledge out there to make it easy for you. So those are like the first two things. And then I would say the third piece of advice is, you know, pick your, pick your number, pick your number. Is it 2000 a month? That was all I needed for me to focus on me building my business when I got laid off. Right. Yeah. I did not need five, $10,000. If you need that, that's fine. But I, I tell my story. So you're okay with two or 1900 or 1500 or a thousand mm-hmm. and don't let, and so once you get that number and you're okay with that number and you throw away what you think you need versus what you actually can be comfortable with, it's not so hard to hit that target number. And when it's not so hard to give the vision, it's more easy for you to see yourself hitting it. Wow. So I would say just start with those mindset issues. So, it, so this is a lot easier and a lot smaller and a lot more doable for you than you first thought. Wow, that is awesome advice. And uh, and I'm so happy. I'm so glad that you actually you give us um for those I say us because I, I mean I have a business mindset. I probably will venture in this someday. But mm-hmm. um um you give us kind of hope that you don't have to start big. You know you can mm-hmm. always start small. And and you know by God's grace you will definitely you know succeed like the yeah. big people that you look up to right now. So. Yeah, thank we you have so to much start. For that. Yes, we have to start where we have to start. There is generational wealth. We, there's so many things I can go into. We aren't where they are, right? And yes. that's okay. We can do what we do. <laughs> yeah, and be happy with it. Yeah, and actually, and and last thing, I noticed that when I did this, this is just where my heart is, right? I come from this, and I'm not ashamed of my working class, lower income roots because mm-hmm. I had tons of fun. We are a big community, unlike what we live in now, these big houses, but you barely talk to your neighbors. Oh no. my gosh, yes. We're a community, okay? Like I have no shame of my background or the work ethic that I learned um, at all. But I also found that for a lot of people and me doing this and targeting black professionals and talking about these black neighborhoods, I gave them a way to invest in the black community it, like in a highly structured way, but not only that, it was profitable for them, but it's also you're investing in these neighborhoods and bringing money and life into it. And what I realized is that people really love having a path to give back. So they're not just talking about, we need to invest in black communities, they're doing it. And I, I, I didn't realize that it was a big thing to give people a direction on how to give back like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, because they, they, they have some, um, I would say, personal attachment to it, you know, because this is where they come from. They want to give back to their community and yeah. um, help your community grow as well, too. So yeah. not just forget about your community once you get money and get rich. You just and That's literally that's why we are where we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, true. I mean, I can go into that, too, but we don't have any time. But that's where we are. Where we are. <laughs> And, you know, so, and I put my money where my mouth is. I live in a city that's half black. I live in a neighborhood that's all black. And like, there's some things that are a little, eh, and there's some things I absolutely love about it. But like, mm. I moved back. So that means I bring my dollars, my education, my expertise to this community. I am rooted. And then as I naturally start doing the things and my leadership starts showing, you naturally start impacting where you live. So if more of us started investing back in our communities and versus the stereotypes, 
that we have about our own, <laughs> it, it, it would start to look a little different. And I'll just stop on that. because Sometimes we can get into issues that everyone's ready to talk about. I know. I mean, that would be another um, episode right. for that to just dive <laughs> into that. Yeah, that would be a, another time. episode. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, thank you so much, um, Lisa, for coming. But I'm not going to let you go yet because I'm going to play a game with you. I love to play a game with all my guests. So okay. um, I hope you're ready to play a game today. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So the game today will be this or that. I'll just probably, I'll throw in two words, um, two phrases or words, and um, you will see which one is uh, you are most likely drawn to. Or like, for example, coffee or tea, you say you like, you say coffee, maybe because you like coffee more than tea. So something like that. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start easy. Mm-hmm. So the first one would be dog or cat? Cat. Really? I have one right here meowing in my ear. Yes. Oh my gosh. No, they're scary to me, but <laughs> you should be scared. They're smarter than you think. <laughs> Just the eye scares me. Okay. Um, another one would be online shopping or shopping in the store. Oh, that's a hard <laughs> one. Oh gosh. The real answer is there's a balance because sometimes I need a touch and feel, but I'd say quickly for this online shopping. Yes, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it depends what you're shopping. Some some right. some things require you to go there because nah. absolutely yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another one would be save or spend. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, third option, invest. But if I had to choose from those, I'd say invest i'm sorry (laughs) i'm an investor i invest i invest crypto real estate in my business i invest okay that's good i mean some people might consider that as saving too spending is just wasting it but um yeah i'd never say that Mm -mm. so another one would be city or countryside oh goodness city Hmm. so you're city girl okay I like the countryside, but we're in absolutes with this. I know. <laughs> nah, I'm not really but a country every, person. All, all of my answers are literally like both, but like, I'll choose one for the show. Okay, no problem. Okay. Walking alone or walking in a team? Hmm. Hmm. I'm way too balanced. <laughs> like, um, I would initially say for this walking alone but like if I was really drilling into it with nuance there are times for the team and times to be by yourself I'm a very balanced person so like I like it all in moderation in their place Mm -hmm. but if I had to just choose one I I do like being alone and walking alone just so I can be in my own thoughts and gather myself Mm -hmm. that's a perfect combination right there sometimes you just want to because you hear from that you bounce out of ideas from people you know mm-hmm. you hear things that probably when you are alone you probably wouldn't have thought about it so that's why i like teams teams too i don't like working by myself all the time but sometimes you might right. need that. exactly exactly i like balance okay so another one would be book or ebook oh book <laughs> you want to feel the book huh oh i love it I grew up reading. <laughs> My mom gave me a romance novel when I was like 10. I was like, I don't know if it's appropriate, but this feels nice. <laughs> so I was hooked ever since. 
Oh, wow. Okay, TV shows or movies? Oh, <laughs> shows, TV shows. Okay. What is your favorite TV show? Oh, goodness. There have been some really good ones. Um, like, this is just for this year, because I, I can't remember all-time favorite. But, yeah. like, this year, I really enjoyed um, Shit's Creek. And uh, another Netflix called Money Heist or Casa del Papel. It's about oh, wow. these people who like uh, rob the Spanish central bank. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> Shit's Creek makes me laugh. Yeah, it just makes me laugh. Um, Shit's Creek is about these very, very wealthy people who are like, the only thing they had left was like, their dad bought a town as a joke. Wow. <laughs> and, so, and there's a hotel there, motel, and they stayed in it because they fell from Greece their business partners stole all their money and they were like so wealthy <laughs> in this super low-income area and of course you know that tickled me to know it because <laughs> I grew up poor but like yeah. I tell people my spirit was not poor my spirit liked thank nice you things. my spirit likes mm. nice things yeah. so like I always was a little out of place because I just saw things differently or from a higher view or I yeah. had a quality mindset not a not a quantity. So mm -hmm. I, I identify with Shit's Creek because sometimes I'd be around the people in my neighborhood and I'm well read and I'm talking and they're just looking at me like, what are you talking about? And yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm like, why you think like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just different. You're like, yeah. oh, sorry. 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 Just in my head. <laughs> okay. Another one would be blinds or curtains. Shutters. <laughs> <laughs> I have shutters. Uh, blinds. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the last one would be receive email or later. Oh. That would be like old fashioned receiving a you know, letter. Pe pe I, I'm in some organizations where people send letters and yeah. I'm just like, thank you, but eh. So email, <laughs> uh, it, it like does nothing for me, but it's really nice. And I appreciate, I send that person love like in my mind, but mm -hmm. like, then I, like I throw it away. Like, uh, you yeah. Know, email's amazing. Yeah. We're in that mode of saving trees, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That too. That too. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. We have come to the end of it. Thank you so much for being a good sports. Um, I enjoy getting to know you a little bit more. And um, um, before I let you go, do you have any upcoming event that you want to let my um, audience know so they can reach you or something? Yeah, so um, you can find me at affordablerealestateinvestments.com. That's my website. And if you want to and you're intrigued, I do strategy sessions where people can call me, give me their initial layout of their land, where they're at, how much money they have, and come up with an investing strategy or timeline for them to hit that. So you can reach me there by doing a strategy session. You can also, from the website, go to my Facebook group or YouTube channel. My YouTube channel has my videos and my Facebook group is amazing. Um, we're actually going to do an author round, um, um, the top, like my two moderators and I are, are gonna do an investor roundtable and just like, we just, we're going to just do funny stories. Like the first time you had to evict a tenant or just things like that. Just things that like where we are thrown into the fire and just talking about our experiences. So just making it fun. So um, we're going to be putting that up in the next couple of weeks. If you join the Facebook group, uh, sub 30 K mastermind group on Facebook. And uh, yeah, I have a best-selling book, which I didn't think would be a bestseller, but apparently a lot of people like this information that I have <laughs> in my head. 
So um, it's called Investing in Rental Properties for Beginners. You can get it at amazon.com. I can send you a link. And not only that, I am finishing up with my book, Investing Out of State, and a third book, Buy This, Not That House. So all of my coaching experience and all of that going into this book. And yeah, like putting it out in the world. Um, if you say you don't want to get my training programs, but you want the knowledge and overview and mm-hmm. fill in the gaps yourself, that is the alternative. So in the next two months, we'll be launching um, the Sub 30K Guide to Investing Out of State. Oh, wow. That is interesting. You have a lot in your, in your, in your table. You have a lot going on. So that's I really am. good. Um, guys, I will have the, um, the website. Um, they can find all these things in your website, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, guys, I will have her website link on this episode. So you know what to do once you're done listening to this episode, go ahead and click on the description of the episode so you can get links, um, to check out our guests, you know, her website and you can get her ebook and also check out her Facebook and uh, other social media, social media platforms she have. So you can learn more. You can even get in contact with her, looking at her website or something. But, um, um, thank you guys. Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming. I enjoyed talking to yeah, you and, uh, here. I learned a lot from you. You have a lot of, uh, wisdom, you know, I, I enjoyed this so much, Connie, and I'm so glad you you had me on, and I hope it helps your audience and lets them know, you know, they can do this. Yes. We can do this. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Right? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me once again. Remember, a new episode always drops every Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central Time, so make sure you come back for more episodes. Diego, I'm your host, Connie, signing out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.